Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the APS division of Hip Stamp, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Taj by joining the stamp show here today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership, and you get a really cool membership certificate. Listen to the end credits for more information. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Albert. This is Jim. This is Don. And today we're going to talk a little bit about hip stamp because everybody was notified today if you're in that email blast that um, the APS is now going to have its items listed on hip stamp. And we were discussing at lunch today, again, if you're in Las Vegas, South Point Buffet at 1130. Uh, but basically... What does everybody think about what's going to happen now with APS listing? Well, let me go into it real quick. What they do is HipStamp is going to take the database from eBay. I'm sorry. Zillions of stamps? No, that's uh, Linz. What's going to happen is that HipStamp is going to take the database from the APS and they're going to list all the APS items that are on the APS sales site, also on HipStamp. The APS sales site, I believe, is zillions of stamps. I thought that was uh, Linz. Okay, um, well, the sales division of the APS. And uh, what does everybody think about it? Well, I want to hear your thoughts, because you're an eBay seller. Well... Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not as big an eBay seller as Cash is, but mm -hmm. um, it's certainly going to bump up the number of items on hip stamp, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's some good stuff there and some not so good stuff. But the APS is not, is their database, they're actually offering for sale stamps on behalf of the members. And um, they don't necessarily price at market prices a lot of times you'll, they'll be below market price on a lot of things and I think that's going to hurt actual dealers well there is a benefit to buying off the APS website and knowing that you're dealing with the APS that is true you get the expertise of the APS so you have kind of a protection that 
you're, the stuff that's being listed is legitimate, real, not faked stuff like that, which does not occur normally. No, I would not say that's true because I bought a 28. There, there was an item listed as a 28 off of the uh, APS site. I bought it because it looked like a 28A. Well, it was a 28A, except that the right-hand side, uh, an entire quarter of the stamp, had been cut off and replaced <laughs> with a 28, a piece from a 28. So I had a two-color stamp, <laughs> and it was heavily repaired. Now, the increase in price due to it being a 28A versus a 28 kind of offset the fact that it was a repaired stamp. So... I didn't complain about it. I just kept it because it's a great reference. You have both shades right there next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't get around that one. But uh, no, but that's what you get on the APS site. Whereas a dealer more than likely would have caught that. Well, uh, it is my opinion that the APS website is handled in a more stamp friendly and more professional manner than hip stamp is and for that reason the APS site garners higher prices I don't know well compare it again to hip stamp hip stamp I haven't done a ton of shopping on hip stamp it's but I know when I want a good bargain I do go there exactly <laughs> so you have these bargains but then again I'm usually looking for stuff that's not worth a dealer carrying to a show either. No, that's true. So it will be interesting to see what occurs, but I think that uh, I think that hip stamp is more competitive than the APS, and hip stamp garners lower prices than the APS. And when the APS moves or migrates its data over, you're going to lose the reason why you're dealing with the APS. And that is a, there's a positive benefit to that. And it reflects in the price, which is going to now go away because you're dealing with hip stamp instead of the APS, which again, shout out to people who are not APS members you are being punished, and your punishment is you are not an APS member. <laughs> so uh, everybody should join the APS. If you join the Stamp Show here today, then we will well, we'll sponsor you for an APS membership. <laughs> well, it costs 10 bucks to join Stamp Show here today for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. we have been asked. Uh, but when you apply to the APS, you have to have a it's, sponsor. Yeah, it's thirty-five bucks per month, or excuse me, per it's thirty-five dollars a month. Wow, that's expensive. It's thirty-five dollars a year for the APS, and it's ten dollars for a lifetime with Stamp Show here today. However, you get a little bit more with the APS than you get with us. <laughs> but we'd be happy to have you put us down as a sponsor on your on your application if you. Uh, if you join oh, yeah. Stamp Show here today. Did you see, uh, we get letters uh, from the APS. And uh, shout out to all you members out there. Um, we get letters from the APS saying, this person joined, 
and used you as the referral. And so we know that we are getting people to the APS. And every time we get one of those letters, we get $5 off our annual membership. Well, we don't, we pay $0 for our annual membership because we have so many members. And so, uh, you know, we get $5 off free. <laughs> but still, I would, I would like to see, I would love to see Stamp Show here today listed, you know, because they list, you know, all the people who are recruiting. And Mystic is always number one. Well, they always have like two or three hundred a year. Yeah. But yeah, no, it would be nice to be, you know, number two, number two or number three. Number three. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's like Mystic is like several hundred. And then the next person has like 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it would be really nice to be number two. Yeah. That, there you go. If we could hit a hundred in a year, that would be awesome. Well, we have we have between uh, the lowest number we get in on a podcast is 1,400 listens, and the highest we get is 6,000. And it really depends on the topic. You know, when we have a really good topic, we always top out, go above 4,000. If we have a crappy topic, you know, well, that's, un- that's kind of understandable, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's understandable, and you just have to pick better topics, to- Cash. Well, I mean, we have to do... almost f- call you Tosh. Tosh. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't say witless? <laughs> we have to do 52 of these a year, and we're... That this, was implied. I think this is number 367 or something like that, so... Uh, tight. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, speaking about the listeners, we got a listener email. It says, I listened to this week's show which was a few weeks ago. No, no, it was last week's. um, Gosh, I forget what number it was. Anyway, it was last week's show. When you listen to this, it'll be the show two weeks earlier. Glad you are going to continue the discussion. It's really interesting. Remember, it was a two-parter. Well, what was the discussion about? Uh, Yeah, you weren't here. It was about uh, expertizing. Ah, what should be expertized, how you expertize. Really what the basic... How to, get, how to get... Really the topic was how to get, get the best value. Right. How to, get, how to get the best value out of your expertizing dollar. How, how to save money. Well, I like that topic. Yeah. You talked about getting certificates as if all stamps are equal. They are not. I've been only buying the iGrill stamps with certificates because I don't have enough experience to judge them on my own. Some only cost $100, but it allows me to build my collection and some experience at the same time. You also primarily used examples from the front of the book, whereas the threshold might be very different in the back of the book stuff. For example, you might want to lower the threshold for locals, which are heavily forged. Um, the threshold that he was talking about is, I always, and this has been forever, I have like a $350 threshold. If you spend 350 bucks on a stamp, you should get a certificate to make sure you're not being ripped off. I, In my opinion, $350 is significant money. Well, and, and that's also a personal choice. It could be anywhere from 200 to 500 or exactly. more. Depends on what your financial situation is. And well, actually, more like what your risk threshold is. Well, yeah. 
and it depends on your financial situation. If you can absorb a loss yeah. of a thousand dollars and it's not going to affect anything, it's not going to really put you in in dire straits. Then, uh, by all means, you know, only cert things over a thousand dollars because some of the stuff you buy may be damaged or. Uh, improperly identified. Yeah. If you're walking down the street and you see a $10 bill in the gutter and you go, I'm not picking that up. It's in the gutter. You know, then your threshold is different than mine because I would pick up the $10 bill. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, I see some guys, yeah, I, don't, I only pick up quarters yeah. <laughs> and anything a quarter or more if I see change on the ground. Well, well somebody, okay, that's fine. Well, as somebody who religiously picks up anything that's a penny or higher, let me tell you that the, the criteria for when you expertise should also be can they make an easy, can they make an easy counterfeit out of something. Yeah. Many, many cheap flat press coils are are relatively are much under this three hundred fifty dollar threshold. Well, yep. part but of that's because they're under that because they are faked. Yep. And the fakes pull the price down. That's that's true, but that's true. But uh, I think and I think SMQ has proved that even the lower value ones, when they're in nice condition and they're genuine, they actually you do get paid well, back for the for the certificate. Well, here, absolutely. Here, here the letter continues exactly what you just said. For example, you might want to lower the threshold for locals, which are heavily forged, and a much higher threshold for match and medicine stamps, which are not only rarely forged, but the condition is not as critical. I kind of have a little disagreement. Anyway, uh, this is Joseph W. I'm going to give your, uh, he put a business down here, so I'm going to give uh, his business a shout out. It's Autumn Leaves Used Book in Ithaca, New York. So I'm not going to be in Ithaca, New York, but people who are listening, go to Ithaca, go to Autumn Leaves Used Books, and uh, do some business with this Joseph W. because he seems like he's uh, got his head screwed on right, and he brings up some fantastic points. Remember, Ithaca, New York is the home of Cornell University, one of the Ivy League universities. Ah, good place for a used bookstore then. I wonder if he deals in uh, used college books. Is I remember that cost was incredible when I was in college. It's probably worse now. Anyway, um, I have a slight disagreement when he is talking about the uh, match in medicines. Because you don't have a problem with condition. Because, again, you know, if you have a stamp which is not damaged, it's in good condition, you've got a great rarity. Well, matching medicines in particular are actually valued in the catalog with small faults. Yeah. If you read the little blurb at the top of the section, and uh, yeah, if you have matching medicine stamps with no faults, I mean none, those are actually worth getting certificates, even especially at a lower grade, um, because sound matching medicine stamps for all but the, the most common uh are is like you said truly a rarity well tell them why they're faulty well they're faulty because of the way they were used a lot of times they were put over caps or or flaps or whatever in the packaging and the stamps would have to be damaged or folded or you know either folded to get over that or damaged when the package was opened uh so that's where a lot of the damage comes from 
Not only that, even if you have like an unused bottle, if the stamp was put over the top, you've got creases and stuff like that from it being bent over the top of a bottle. But then it's also exposed to anything that's set on top of that if it's not in a closed box. So it gets lots of incidental damage from being knocked around as well. Sometimes it gets stains from the medicine, that, 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 that yeah. from patent medicine that yeah, it would, leaks, might out, leak leaks out. out of the bottle. You know, a playing card, pack of playing cards. You know, well, it, those are always damaged because they'd use the stamp to seal to it. To seal the box. You'd break the stamp to right. open up the box. Un- unless you opened it at some other point and then, but the the stamp would still be folded at yeah, least. Yeah, it'd be creased at least, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of times the, the stamps are damaged because of the way they u- were used. Now, in addition to condition, though, one of the huge things with match and medicines is misidentification of the paper type. Yes, that is true. That is a huge one. So you have to be, if you know your stuff really well, then you're fine. But this is what I was talking about with Jim today at lunch. Let's say Jim is an expert, capital E expert, on postal station or postal history, especially the Western United States. The problem is... How do you pass that information onto your buyer so that your buyer can then use that information onto the next person? Yeah, you can make your own certificates, I guess, but that if you're selling it, that's kind of self-serving because it's your item. And um, that's what we were talking about is I would say I, I'm going to get a certificate on. I would definitely shy away from a dealer who provides their own certificates. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because there is a self-interest there. You want a third-party certificate. Right. And and so... I mean, you need, even if the third-party part third party is one person looking at it versus a committee like at PSE, uh, you would you still want to have somebody independent without a, a well, a pony in the race, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so that you get, you know, he's not biased toward you or the seller, so you get an honest... This, this applies okay. to all areas of philately, though, not just covers, because yes. basically as we collect, we become our own experts. You wrote, you wrote three books? Yeah. Congratulations. They're all about Nevada postal history in but, one form or another. But, but I'll, I'll tell you. But I, it, Jim, everything in there you know, relates to collecting covers no you know, matter where. And, and I can go read Jim's book, but I'm still not going to have the same level of knowledge on Nevada postal history that he has. Here's what I did. I, I bought uh, Nigel Gooding is a uh, he's located in England. Shout out to Nigel. I know you're not a listener. Um, I bought a stamp, uh, an inverted overprint on an early Philippine stamp. And it was through his auction. So, you know, I know that he looked at the stamp. But after the auction was over, there was nothing for me to do. So I purposely sent him a email with the picture in it. And I said, I know you sold me this stamp. Um, can you just double check it and tell me whether it's real or not? Because you are the expert. You wrote the book on this. He really did re- write the book on it. And he wrote me back the email and said, um, I looked at this when I listed it. I believe that it is real. You don't have any problem. And then it has the picture on it. That now for me 
is a certificate mm-hmm. that I can then pass on to the next buyer that said, hey, Nigel Gooding said it was, don't trust me. Right. Nigel said it was good. Yeah, but at the same time, he had an interest when he sold it to you. So, you know, I yes, totally, I understand he is the expert. and I have, I have the same you know, thing. But it, 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 if you, when you get to know people like that, you get to kind of know whether they're going to just make it up to so that they can have the sale or if they're actually going to say, well, no, I looked at it before, but now I look at it again a little closer. I don't think I was right. You know, you want somebody who's yeah. got that integrity. I, and I, if I, your judge of character says that that person has that integrity, then you can go ahead and accept that. Well, here's the hitch. He is the expert. I know. <laughs> so. I know. But is he willing, because he's already sold the stamp to you and has your money, is he willing to say, well, maybe not? Honestly, Or is he, or yeah. is he willing to... Uh, you know, rescind the sale if he honestly thinks it's bad. I I fully believe that he would. Well, then you yeah. then you have a certain level of confidence from knowing him. Yeah, that that's okay. And the other thing is too. I I did the same thing with uh, when Doctor Aminette was still alive. We would uh, go back and forth with mail. Unfortunately, you didn't have email back then because he. Well, you probably did, but I mean, he he passed away a while ago, and I would send him a photo a letter with a photocopy on it, and write send it to him, and he'd always write on the letter, say, "Yeah, this is this, this is that," and send it back to me. So now that serves as a certificate. That is a way for me to transfer the knowledge onto the next person. Say. Even though, honestly, at this state, I am one of the biggest experts on U.S. number 11s in the country, but I still like to have that little piece of paper from Dr. Aminette saying, you can trust me, but you don't have to. Here's a letter from Aminette. And it's the same thing if Chase had written something or more. Um we see covers all the time with Ashbrook writing his notes on the back of it. Well, that's one thing that's nice about being here is we, we see a lot of stuff that has previously been expertized by some of these people who, who were experts back in the day and they're no longer with us. And you get to learn what their writing looks like. And I've seen fake, I've seen writing that, you know, it looks you know most people would say oh that's ashbrook but you look at it really closely and wait a minute that's not his writing yeah so uh yeah it happens but there is just absolutely no replacement for experience right the problem though again like I was talking with Jim. Some of these things are rare, and you it's very difficult to get experience. Right, so you can't get it. The question is, how do you, and even if you do, you buy a stamp from the expert. When you sell that stamp to the next owner, how do you transfer that knowledge? Because everybody knows who Aminette is. You know, when I pass away, everybody will go, oh, this is a cash certificate and everything is fine. But, you, you know, hope. I hope. <laughs> but, you know, who, how do you pass on that information that this stamp is legitimate? 
And obviously, that's what PSE does is we're a third party that passes on the information. Yeah, but what we were talking the information about information is, well, how do you how do I now tell that that's what are the what are the tells that say this is genuine versus not genuine? And that is that is the hard thing to, to communicate. Well, one of the things we talked about when we we're talking about passing on the information is we write the books. So. And when we have a question here, we go to the book if we have it, and we look. Well, at the book is usually the first place we start. Right. Oh, and and, and so that's one way to pass it on, or the internet. But yeah, because you know it, you can't put it on the internet if it's not it, true. It's <laughs> got to be true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that's one of the things that we always see with Siegel, is the rarest covers. Their expertization is. You know, they say, look at this book from 1954 that talks all about it. Right. This, the item has a provenance to it that's in the book. Well, another nice thing is a lot of times the images on the Internet are in color, whereas in some of these books, especially from the, from the, the 60s and yeah. earlier, are not. They're in black and white. Right. And a lot of times the images aren't even up to uh, what we would consider a viable image these days. Well, so, Albert's been involved in a project on the Hawaii stamps, um, and you might want to talk a little bit about that, but that's a process of passing on information that otherwise wouldn't get passed on. Well, I've been involved in the book the book mm-hmm. revision since 1986 with, with Fred Gregory and mm-hmm. Wally Beardsley. So the first book came out, uh, which was just Postal History, came out uh, about 10 years ago now. And uh, Fred's been working on a revision, revision of the stamp side, so I've worked on that. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of it is just reading text and then and then seeing how it figures out. Well, and there's a lot of things like um, when I published back in the 90s that we've now found more information, more research has been done, uh, other things well, have been uncovered. So you have addendums to all that, too. But you, there is a, a process of passing it on, but getting a certificate is certainly one of those processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's go to his second part. He said that the threshold is kind of inaccurate. So, well, you have if, if we take like as a benchmark because I threw the number out of three hundred and fifty bucks. If we use that as a benchmark, what would be above it and what would be below it? Well, okay, let's look at the airmail section. What would be above $350? Maybe a couple of errors and the Zeppelins. And that would be it. Right, so you're or, going to or get a high, your... Or a highly graded um, but, C3 or C3. But we know, that, we know but for the a graded fact... graded already has a cert. Yeah. But we know for a fact that items less than $350, a lot of times... Their value is enhanced by getting a graded certificate. Yes. Well, yeah. So no, let let's just. So you're just talking authentication at this right, point, right? Because and zeppelins really every, don't. Yeah. Zeppelins really don't need expertization because the only value that's really been forged is the 260, the high well, value. I'm going to disagree there. Um, zeppelins, you people want them never hinged. And getting a certificate that says that it's never hinged, no faults. Yeah, I have seen some regum. That's true. Uh, Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, and I've seen a C thirteen to fifteen first day cover that's been made out of whole cloth. Yeah, I mean it's literally been printed, 
and it would fool somebody who was not. It wouldn't fool an, a, a real stamp collector, but it could fool somebody who doesn't know. So if I take that back. I saw a set of uh, I saw a set of Zep plate blocks. But they had salvage all the way around on all four sides. <laughs> <laughs> and they were fairly convincing. And the guy had given a loan of like $40,000 based on this Ooh. set of Zeppelins. And they were sealed in. And, he, and the guy told him, don't unseal these. You don't want to ruin the value or take a chance of damaging them. So he loaned him the money based on that. But they had salvage all the way around the, all four <laughs> sides. It's like. Well, is clearly a, those are fake. Is it a happy story? Did the guy get his money back or not? No, the other guy died. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he sat on him in his, in his closet for like 40 years, 30 years or something like that. And so by then, the, he's long gone. So for then, in my opinion, um, the Zeppelins, when you buy them, mint never hinged. Definitely the ones, uh, the one eighty and the two sixty, those yeah. are above the three hundred fifty dollar mark. I, I, would, I would throw the sixty five center in there. Anyway. I would too, just because I want all of them to match. <laughs> you know, I've got that OCD where I'd like a set. Getting to grading, obviously, everybody knows that if you have a stamp that's you know going to get a 98 or a 100 or a 95 or a lot of times even well, just a 90. And, but that's another education thing. you got to be able to spot them. Yeah, but ignoring the grading side. Um, so the, the, for the airmails, I think the 350 mark is a good mark. Um, well, but when you move into the postage dues, for example... I would bring that number down because especially in the early banknote size, large banknote size um, stamps, you're dealing with a separation. Normally they're separated by color and that can be problematic for some stamps and for some people, you know, some stamps are, you know, you show it to five different experts and you might get two You'll definitely get two different opinions, <laughs> maybe maybe three. Um, now the special printings aren't that much of a problem because they kind of stick out. Once you've seen one, you'll know. Yeah, they kind of stick out. But uh, if you've never seen one, again, this is the experience. If you've never seen one, you kind of try to second guess yourself. Uh, so, but. A lot of times watermarks can be indistinct or difficult to find. And and then, of course, you have the problem of uh, fugitive ink on some of those issues as well. So if you're talking about used stamps, and, and honestly, some of the early ones, they may only catalog 50 bucks, but you get removed cancels. Yeah. yeah. So you definitely... But for 50 bucks, I'm never going to certify a $50 stamp. Unless it's got really good condition and I could get the well, bump. Well, what if it's a $150 stamp? It purports to be unused. It has full gum. But guess what? It was crayon canceled yeah. in a sheet and somebody removed the crayon cancel. So it has full original gum. You got to be very careful with those. You know, it might be a 50 cent face value. And that's a big target because those were used en masse to pay for large bulk mailings. Well, we're also starting to see uh, 
where since he asked about back of the book, we're seeing overprinted stamps that are cheaper that are coming out that are being that are being uh, faked by uh, laser printers and by other yep. types of techniques. And yes. they do, and, and they don't make any sense to submit because of the cert cost. Which, by the way, um, we talk about cert costs a lot. Here's PSE has different pricing than the PF does. Has a different pricing than PSAG has different pricing than APS. So I'm only going to tell you what PSE's costs are. But a stamp that was issued before 1900 is $35. Minimum. Minimum, yeah. It's 5% of catalog. So if you uh, if it's over... Everything's 5% of catalog, but there are certain minimums depending on the year of issue. Right, because otherwise, if you submitted a 3-cent commemorative... 5% of catalog, you'd be paying us a fraction of a penny. And we had to put the labor into it. I mean, that's the cost of the paper we print the certificate on is far more than 5% of the catalog value. So we have these minimums. But the minimum is $35. Then it's $25 from 1900 up to 1937. 32. 32? 35. Thirty somewhere in the thirties. Thirty thirty-five. <laughs> thirty-five. It, it's in the program. When you enter in the yeah. Scott number, it's 1935. It, it pops it. Uh, so it's twenty-five dollars. After that, it goes to fifteen dollars up to nineteen seventy-two, and after nineteen seventy-two, it's well, it splits halfway through nineteen seventy-one actually, because that's when the USPOD became the USPS. Right. So the uh, we go by Scott numbers, right? You know? But the. Uh, so these are the costs we're talking about. And that's why I said $350, because 10% of $350 is the cost of the cert. And the question is, would you pay 10% more to know your stamp is perfect and legit? And in my mind only, I say yes. Somebody else could very easily say, no, I'm not willing to pay it. I would pay it on a $1,000 stamp. Well, 10% could be also a good, a good guideline for 1900 to 1935, too. Yeah. I mean, at that point, your, your threshold will be $250. Yeah, but I'd still which, keep it at 350 because those stamps are easier. I can yeah. do more myself. I would say something like a Canal Zone one to three in general. That has to, yeah. no matter what, no <laughs> well, matter yeah, what the are, catalog is, you must have a certificate. There to are get there it. are some stamps like that, and a lot of times they're called out in the catalog. This stamp must have a certificate and, when you buy it. And and of the of the more modern of the Washington Franklin head issues, I think. I think many of the flat press coils, but for sure, 461 has to have a certificate because that's the 1915 experimental perf 11 issue in pale carmine red color. And it, and uh, I would say that for every genuine I see, I see 10 fakes. Maybe yeah, more probably than might more, even be more than yeah, that. Yeah, more than that. <laughs> 530, uh, 519 is the same way. Yeah, but the value of 519 puts it over the $350. Um, yeah. Uh, That's true. Because even but a, it falls a, into the same category as 461. Of a, of a mandatory certificate. Absolutely. 
Yeah, because so, there's there's plenty of imperf material out there that you can make a fake from. And that's that's a good point. And if when you can make when you can make a fake, for instance, they make fakes out of, of 461s out of imperfect 409 sheets. They just perforate all four sides, and so you and they make uh, fake 519s out of 344 multiples. They, it's the same stamp. It's just uh, um, it just has fake perfs rather than genuine perfs. I've se I've seen fake plate blocks. I've seen fake sheets. <laughs> well, I've seen fake complete rolls of coils. Um, I've got a I've got a customer who submitted a coil roll, or nope. actually a couple of coil Four, rolls. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that they bought in an auction and they were as, all, uh, as they a were box lot, and they were bad. I mean, the entire roll was faked because the material in, exists in imperfect coil rolls. And so they took a genuine imperforate coil and perforated it because it had a higher value. Yeah, for anybody who uh, wants to check the Scott's catalog, look at 409V. It's an imperforated coil. They're and located you, at the back of the booklet pane. You know, you hit the booklet pane section in the in the specialized catalog. It's just past private value. And, the, and then it's just past that. Into the, You see the private vending perforations and it's at the back of that section actually yep it's like the last page and a half or two pages i'm actually doing an exhibit that has a 21 i specifically asked for a 21 inch strip from those fake coil rolls and he said sure go ahead and take one because it'll reach all the way across the exhibit page the second thing I want to do is I want to find somebody who has a reperforator and actually put fake perforations in the exhibit page <laughs> so that the exhibit page actually has fake perforations. You might be able to find somebody who has a Rossback perforator that can do that for you. Yeah. The uh, I, I know somebody who has one, but I don't know if he would be willing to do a couple of pages for you or not. <laughs> so... You, it will be done by the end of September, and then I'll ship it off to a couple stamp shows. Well, you know, you can always go online and buy a Rossback perforator. They still make them. Yeah, I know. They're too expensive. They're like 800 bucks. <laughs> I know. And that's not... Then you pay 800 then, bucks, then and you, you have get to get it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, if anybody has a... Uh, Sounds like a road trip to me. Yeah, if anybody has a Rossback... If anybody has a perforator that can perforate 12 inches... Um, give me a buzz. I know they're out there. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the problems with fake coils. The good thing about fake coils is if you know what you're looking for, you can detect them a vast majority of the time because they are not faked at this really super high level that'll fool people. There are some of those out there, but they are incredibly rare. Addressing another back of the book area, um, the um, first issue revenue stamps, the uh, the uh, subletter Bs, which are the part perfs, oh, they, yeah. they are they are terribly hard to find, and I would there are so many of them that have been made out of uh, made out of imperforates or uh, it, it's not funny. And well, they're, they're, that's one of the tough ones because you're talking now about a stamp. That requires a certificate. I mean, absolutely 100%, unless you have gigantic jumbo margins. And some of the catalog values are going to be less than $35. You're literally 
going to pay more for the certificate than you'd be paying for the stamp if you paid full catalog. But if it's of that high a quality, you'll be rewarded by what it actually brings when you sell your collection. Yeah, you might, you might but I mean, again, you get into the economic side. It's you're paying a $35 minimum price on a stamp that catalogs $40. You know, well, what do you do? And, and then the terrible thing, you spend $35 and it comes back fake. Well, <laughs> then you're just screwed. Well, hopefully you have right of return based on a bad certificate. Yeah, and then the guy goes, oh, you bought it for 10 bucks, here's your 10 bucks back. Well, no, I would, I would insist that they pay for the bad certificate. Which is another, again, another reason why you don't buy or you don't necessarily try to certify less expensive items. Yeah. What, what you kind of have to do is you have to buy the more expensive ones so that you can learn what the cheaper ones look like. <laughs> yeah. Well, not or only. wait for a sale. We, well, have, we have sales every I so I mean, often. as far as collection building for value... Um, it's always smart to start with the more expensive items because uh, clearly those are the ones that go, are going to go up in value. So as you complete your collection, you start with the most expensive items. By the time you finish the collection, those have gone up in value. Yeah. Whereas if you start with all the inexpensive items, yes, it's fun to fill the album page, but now you've got these holes where you're going to have to spend more because the items that you could have bought at a lower price are now more expensive. So, because that's, that's typically years down the road. And so, anybody who remembers the economic podcast I did, I tell you exactly well, that. Bill this, Gross did this that. Is he, the spent, time. he spent three years reading books about stamps before he ever bought a stamp. And then he it's, started it's out with the most story. expensive items he could find. It, it's a great story. I do not believe that it's true. I don't believe it's true because I remember <laughs> when he was buying kids. Well, he would buy kids. he would buy whole collections at a time. Yeah. Well, anything else? Happy stamp collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is ten dollars for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.